Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast, your number one spot to get mentoring, guidance, and behind-the-scene learnings to help you understand what it really takes to launch, grow, and scale your packaged food or beverage business. On the show, you'll hear from food founders at various stages of growth, and you'll hear from me and my 14 years of packaged food and beverage experience. Each episode is packed with insights, inspiration, and learning to help you on your food business journey. I'm your host, Ainsley, and this is the Food Founders Podcast. jump into today's show, I want to thank our sponsor, the Food Brands That Sell program. Food Brands That Sell is a six-week deep dive into the CPG industry and teaches you how to win within that industry by creating a brand that you, retailers, and consumers love. Here's what a recent alumni had to say about the program. I am so grateful that I chose to do Food Brands That Sell. I learned so much about myself, my journey, and my company. These six weeks changed how I'm doing my business, and I can see the difference already. I no longer feel alone. If you aren't already on the waitlist, hop on over to foodbrandsthatsellwaitlist.com or grab the link below to make sure that you are first to know when the program is accepting new students. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Today, I'm excited to be chatting with James Berry from Pluck, and we're going to be talking about this fantastic new take on seasoning and fantastic new take on how you can get the nutrients that you need in your life through organ meat, which is one of the most nutrient-dense ways of getting nutrition out there. James, we're going to dive all into that today. But James, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. James, I've got some pluck here uh, for anyone watching the video. We've got pluck, beautiful packaging here. We've got uh, a nice picture of a cow on here and it says organ meat blend, zesty garlic. Talk to me about how we got to organ meat seasoning because I love this concept and I'd love for you to just dive into the origin story of it. Thank you. I'm super psyched that Canadian is saying that they're into the concept because when we early on, we got connected to a broker in Canada and we were telling them, look, we would love to get exposure in Canada. We get a lot of customers from Canada. To me, I just assume Canadians want to be healthy and eat meat too. And they were like, we went to our health food stores and they all said no. And this was, this was a couple of years ago. And I know that plant-based was trending then, but it was still really, you don't want to support your meat-based healthy eaters. I don't know. So um, I get all to say, I'm just so happy to hear a Canadian say that because <laughs> I believe Canadians believe in animal-based health too. Yeah. This, this journey has been interesting. I was, I've been a professional chef for over 20 years and my focus has always been on how, how can I support people's health? But it was always like, how do I meet people where they are? Because there's all these trends of what healthy is. Like well, I was just commenting on plant-based, right? People think that's healthy. Before that, they thought grilled chicken and steamed vegetables were healthy, right? Or even before that, no fat was healthy, things like that. So there's just always these health trends that seem to dictate our beliefs of health. And I just saw through it always like for the last 20 years, I'm just like, I don't believe that to me, 
healthy is eating real food. That's the baseline. We need to move away from ultra processed foods. But then as I became a father, I was like, how do I support? I've already focused on helping people get nutrient-dense foods in their diets. But now as a father, I'm like, I got to look at it a little differently because now it's like, how do you support kids in getting these things and not dealing with picky eating and not dealing with after you've cooked in the kitchen, them saying, I don't want to eat it or whatever, any dynamic. Because we as parents, we already work hard enough. You know what I mean? Like we don't need more work when it comes to getting our kids to eat healthy food. I just applied my lens, my chef lens to it. And I was like, okay, I know that when we make a pate, we're adding different vegetables and herbs and fats to that liver or whatever the organ is to help offset that taste. And so I just, I don't know, connected some dots. There's a, this modern preservation of freeze drying. We were already using it in supplements. We already have dehydrated herbs and spices, garlic and onion and whatnot. And I was like, what if I created a shelf-stable pate, really? Took the wet ingredients that you would find in a pate, but make it all shelf-stable dried product and make it where people don't need to acquire a new habit. Because I find health, and we saw this with COVID, but when healthy habits fall by the wayside, A, if they're not, they're not something we already do regularly, or B, when we have high emotions, we default to things that we're comfortable in and that, that soothe our emotions. But things like brushing our teeth, these habits that we don't even think about when that we're on autopilot with, those don't get affected by our emotional state. We just do them. We season our food no matter what emotional state you're in. And so that's, that was a very attractive to me was here's, here's something that's not the illusion of health, but here's something that actually is healthy and it doesn't require a new habit. And added bonus, it actually makes your food taste better. So not only are you cooking in your kitchen, which is what we want you to be healthy and the healthiest way is to cook your own food. But now, even if you aren't the best cook, your food tastes better because you've used this product. I love that. And especially what you said right there about this not needing to be a new habit, right? We see this in the food industry with like new fads, this new fads, that all the time, like what you mentioned. Creating a new habit is extremely difficult versus just, hey, how do we elevate this habit that you already have, which is seasoning? Hard to get kids to eat their meals. It's hard for adults to get the nutrients that they need. That's why so many people pop so many supplements, which can have their place. But this can do both and satisfy everything. I think that's such a, such a smart way of looking at solving the problem of how do we get people to enjoy their food and, and eat more. I think food inherently is functional, right? That at least it should be. But I think we're finding that it's not actually as functional as we'd like it to be. Historically, they've been here in the US at least, they've been tracking the nutrient density of produce since the late 50s. And it's degrading. It's going down, not going up. Y even though yield is going up, sure, yeah, they can grow more on a smaller plot of land, but that is sac that sacrifices the nutrients. And so what we're seeing is that nutrient dent, like our, in terms of our nutritional, like we're nutrient deficient, basically, we're finding that it, we're actually declining in terms of our nutrient deficiency. But yet, particularly when you're looking at a country like the US and even Canada, we're not starved in these countries. Like we have access to food, yet we're nutrient deficient. It's something like 95% in the US. That tells me this is not an issue of 
are we getting enough food? This is an issue of we're eating the wrong foods. And that's really why when I identified organ meats, as you said at the beginning, organ meats are mother nature's multivitamin. They are the most nutrient dense food on the planet. And you can, anyone can look this up. This is not me putting propaganda out there. This is hands down, like any search will show you that even compared to salmon, even compared to beef, like the actual muscle meat, organ meats have more nutrients. So then the issue becomes, why aren't we eating them? And how do we, how do I support that? Because as an, we need help. And to your point, we, we're defaulting to supplements and capsules. And I just believe, I believe that's a big issue. And I know it stems from we're looking for that magic pill. I know the industry is supplying that. There, there's always trying to say, just pop this pill and get your iron or get your this or that. But the reality is when we when we swallow something, we bypass our body's innate knowledge of what it needs. And bioindividuality is really important because you can buy a bottle of freeze-dried powdered organ meats and that bottle will say, take six. Do you need six? Do I need six? Do, does that person need, like, how do they know? They don't, they haven't tested us. They don't know individually what we all need. And so that's why when you swallow something, a lot of times you might feel nauseous or you might not feel any effects because you don't know what your body needs unless you are getting tested. Right. But when we put, and I'll use salt as an example, when we put salt on our tongue, we get an immediate communication, a biological communication of, does my body want more of this or does it need less? Right. And it's immediate. And your body will not let you eat more salt than it wants when you're eating it. But if you swallow a salt tablet, delayed response 15, 20 minutes later, why am I bloated? Oh, I got too much of something. So one is working with our biological creation that is our body from the minute you visually see the food it starts right that starts your hunger and or your process you put it in your mouth the saliva coats it supports the digestion you start to chew it or use some kind of mastication that also contributes to your body preparing for it and then there's that communication of oh it's tasting the nutrition right it's tasting the food and then there's a kind of prehistoric ancestral kind of built into our DNA's knowledge of oh, when something is flavorful, it equals nutrition. That's biologically what our body thinks. And that's also why our body is so confused because so many foods out there, ultra processed foods have all these flavorings added to them, but they have no nutrition. So our bodies, wait, I thought flavor equaled nutrition and now I'm tasting flavor, but I'm getting no nutrition. So I'm just going to keep eating until I'm satiated. Oh, I ate the whole bag and I, I'm still not satiated. So there's a total miscommunication that's happening due to how these ultra processed foods. And that's ultimately what I'm trying. I'm trying to get us back to eating this nutrition versus swallowing it. And when you talk about it, it makes so much sense. Like the science is out there. It makes sense. We, we know, I, I think a lot of people know that ultra processed, not good, but then we still sometimes see the industry and it seems to be doing a little bit better right now. But for a number of years, been pushing the synthetic, I'm going to say taste of meat, synthetic taste of anything, but it has this nutrient, like nutrient dense capacity to it still. So it's, it has to still be good, but we are overriding the biological piece. We are still primal beings, whether or not, no matter how far we have evolved, we are still primal beings. And you seem to really build that into the product delivery itself which inherently 
makes it easier for people to enjoy and gives them the nutrients that they need. I believe we, we've gotten some amazing testimonials. Things that I never knew I, you know, I was going to hear from. So I just feel so blessed and grateful that not only that I had this original idea that's not a laboratory food, but also that we are helping people because that is our mission. I genuinely want to help people. But we've gotten testimony where a father, actually, was a, he's a Canadian father. He said that his daughter had been born with some skin issues and they heard about our product. They'd heard about organ meat nutrition and they, but she's very young. And so they didn't know how to get it in her. They started using pluck in her food and her skin conditions are virtually gone now. Like things like wow. that. Parents who have picky eaters telling me that their kids, just by adding pluck to the kids' limited meals is now supporting their kids and being more adventurous eaters. I, sleep issues, being supported, hyperactivity. It's just incredible. And that's really, that is such an important message is that we're turning towards the supplement industry to fulfill our needs. Billions of dollars we're spending, multiple billions of dollars we're spending in that industry. And yet when we slaughter an animal, the most nutritious part of that animal is going to the pet food industry. It's going to, or it's getting trashed. It's, it's not going to humans. It's not, most of it's not even for human consumption. And that to me is just, it's just sad. It's do A, do we not value that animal's life enough to use the whole animal as our ancestors did? And B, why we're creating industry and trying to fulfill these holes in our nutritional states when, but yet we're throwing, like, yet we have it already. We have access to it already. It's like, why do we always constantly make more problems? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> why do we have, it's, it's almost like, we're hell-bent is we have to figure this solution out. And we already knew about regenerative farming. We already knew that it worked. We just killed the people that helped create it, the mm -hmm. Native Americans. Like we, we destroyed the culture that was doing it for a long time. And same thing with organ meats. We know organ meats supply nutrition. We know this. The pharmaceutical company actually uses them in some of their pharmaceuticals. We know this, and yet we're not doing it. And I just, to me, it's insanity. It's absolutely insanity. And so if I can support, create a product that's like the gateway to getting organs in your diet, then hallelujah. Like, I hope you do it. <laughs> and if you don't do us, I hope you do it in some other way. Like to me, the mission is how, do, how can I support you in eating whole animal? We have on our website, we have recipes. Whenever I'm talking, I give people steps on how to ease into organ meat. Like it doesn't matter to me. I just want you to get Mother Nature's multivitamin. I just want you to take this amazing resource get into your diet, feel the difference inside. And then hopefully if you're feeling better in your body, then you're going to start treating other people better because we treat people how we feel, right? And now we have a different world. So I really believe that supporting people's nutritional density, like uh, supporting them with organ meats will save the world. I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that. I love that. Oh, yes. Yes. And there's so many gold pieces in there. It's just it is what's on the inside from a health perspective that it changes everything, right? Food is medicine or it's poison. It, yeah. it really is one or the other. And you have made it easier for people to get, like you said, nature's, nature's multivitamin, nature's supplement, because and it is a heart piece for people to get into. The idea of eating a liver or a spleen or heart, people are like squeamish. It's hard to cook, let alone getting kids to eat it. You know what I mean? And I'd love to share this with your audience as a challenge because we've touched on this, but there's something 
if there's anyone out there that's in in the industry or thinking about creating a food product, my challenge to you is that let's try to not contribute to foods that feed people's addictions. Because what happens all the time is I see these new trends happen, whether it's plant-based or keto or carnivore, paleo. And what's the first category that truly gets embraced by food manufacturers? It's dessert. It's like the sugary things. Yes, it has stevia, but it's still a dessert. <laughs> yes, it has monk fruit now. Or it's still a dessert. So my challenge is that we actually create foods that don't feed addiction and addictive habits, but that are really like truly we're doing them to support people's health and move people away from always looking towards these substances, whether it's sugar, alcohol, drugs, anything like that. Try to support them in getting those needs met with more everyday foods like savory foods or necessary items versus desserts. Yeah, that is a great challenge. And I'm sure as a chef, you could have created anything like from a food product. You opted for this because it's, it's very clear that you have a mission to help people become healthier. And then that trickle effect of what that actually means when we have a healthier population. What does that actually look like? I'm curious for you with this product, because organ meats, I find they can be polarizing to people, right? And I'm sure you've experienced this. Do you find that for right now, where you guys are, you guys launched it end of 2019, beginning of 2020. Is it getting people who are already like, I know organ meats are so important. I just, gosh, I hate cooking it or I can't flavor it or my kids won't eat it. Or is it people who are looking for health alternatives and they just stumble on organ meat and are open to trying it in a seasoning form? How have you felt that you've been able to gain the most traction and is that aligned with how you intended to go to market? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I think whenever you start any business, you, you need to know your audience. And I'm always about baby steps. Like I don't, I'm not like, I'm not a first adopter. Like when the new iPhone comes out, I don't get in line. I'm not the first in line. Like I don't sleep there overnight to get it or anything. I, I like to ease into things. And so when I was creating this product, I really identified what are the audiences that already know about organ meats. So there's carnivore audiences, there's keto, paleo, there's ancestral eaters, there's uh, prenatal. A lot of people that are wanting or trying or are pregnant know about organ meats. So I, I initially just identified that's a humongous market. I mean, we're talking 60, 70 billion people are in that market. So I thought, let's just focus on them. Because I think anytime your business or your product involves education, it's problematic because you're now, you're already in an uphill battle of trying to introduce a new product to a very oversaturated industry. And I'm not talking organs, I'm just talking food products, right? So you're already, that's already an uphill battle. But then if you actually have to teach people that, hey, this is why you should be using my product, that that's even harder because most people don't want to be taught. Like, and there's not, and it's such a slow gain as well. Most people, they just want, like what I've identified in, as a chef is that the things that truly move health food, it's really simple, actually. It's hard to achieve, but it's very simple in theory. It's basically, it needs to be delicious and it needs to be easy, but you can't do one or the other. It's got to be both. If you can hit both of those, 
your product will be evergreen. Like it, it will just be easily adopted. Anything could happen in the world and it won't matter because it's delicious. And so people are going to want it and it's easy, right? But if you don't hit both, then it's not going to be used for very long. And so for us, when we were launching, we really identified that audience that already knew about Orgameets. And so what we were really needing to do is just get the product in front of them and educate and really not even educate, just inform them. Hey, look, you know about Orgameets. You're struggling because I know I'm in the world too. And I know I struggle. And so struggling to get organ meats and so here's a product where you're getting five organs you're getting liver heart kidney spleen and pancreas you're getting the microdosing frequently which is cumulative effect and it's easy and it's delicious so like for us we really have just been focusing on that audience getting the product in front of them and then as you mentioned we started about three years ago and then we're letting the influencers in that those markets we're letting them educate people slowly and what we're finding is that already I'm hearing from farmers. So this is three years since we've launched. And now in our third year, I'm hearing more and more from farmers and ranchers. Their organs are getting sold out, like they're selling their organs. So clearly we were ahead of the curve, which I saw that coming as a chef anyway, because I saw that collagen had, I've been in the field long enough where I remember when collagen first launched uh, and Everyone thought it was weird. What? You're putting this in your coffee or your beverage? What is this? And you're, and it gives you more protein and it's animal-based. And then I saw it grow and grow and grow. And it took seven to 10 years. But now you can go to your convenience store and there's collagen packets right there for you to buy. You know what I mean? It's everywhere now. And I just, my instinct was like that was coming for Orgamine. And I still think we're, to your point, I think we're very early in the process. I think that I don't think like we could go sell our product to just anyone yet. I, I really don't. I, but I am definitely seeing more and more people talk about, oh, yeah, I heard organs are good for you. And, oh, I've heard that your product is really delicious. And it's, worse. It, it's permeating the bubble. And that's fine. Like, I'm okay. Like, we're in it for the long run. And as long as we're hitting that first audience, the one that has money, that has knowledge of organ meats and has interest, then we can still be a strong company and eventually reach the person that's still new or avoiding it at this point. Right. That's a really great take. I talk to people who already know that this benefit is there. They're just like, how do I get more of it in my diet? You don't need to convince them of anything. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with starting small. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. And it helps you get proof of concept as well. And you start to see the habits and you start to see, okay, if we, instead of launching in tons of grocery stores, we launch in a couple, let's see where do people look for us? And if we're in the seasoning aisle and, or we're in the supplement aisle, which sells better, which do people connect with more? You, you know what I mean? There's lots of knowledge that you get need to get. And you can only get there by taking those small steps. Yeah. And I like what you're saying there. You're at this great stage to have the opportunity to be really curious and allow that data to then fuel, okay, we're better in the supplement or we're better in the seasoning or we're better right next to the actual meats themselves. Like, I'm curious, where have you found in store and even what type of store are you finding that this moves best? Because I know like on the product, it's very clear that this is a seasoning. Again, for anyone who's watching, we've got it here if you're listening. It says very clearly on it, it says organ meat blend. We've got like, a flavor descriptor, zesty garlic. But at the bottom here, 
at the bottom here, it says dietary supplement. So I'm yeah. curious, are people, where do people connect with it better next to their everyday seasoning or in supplement aisle? Yeah, there's a couple of pieces to this. So we actually, I wanted it to be a food product. I, I really wanted it. I wanted to basically say, hey, organ meats, right now we're putting them in capsules and we're designating them dietary supplements, but this is a food. Like we need to remember that it, it, it already exists in nature. It's good for us. Uh, we can make it taste good. So let's treat it like a food instead of, like I said earlier about that, swallowing your nutrition. And we started out that way when we were just being sold on our uh, own website. But I was contacted by the USDA and the FDA. Yeah, I guess uh, technically I was contacted only by the USDA, but they educated me that for months it went back and forth between the FDA and the USDA when we first launched. Because they said, we, didn't, we don't know how to classify this because it's a dry product. So it's not bloody, it's not wet, but it is a meat product. And I'm like, why don't you just classify me with the FDA as a food? Because they already, it already exists in, like, in capsules and they, they already know about it. But the USDA was like, but you have more than 2% meat in your product. So they actually wanted me to only put 2% organ meat in there. I'm like, that's absurd. Like it's already, you're already only putting pinches on your food. And if I only put 2%, then you're getting nothing in those pinches. And then it's the illusion of health. And that's not what I'm about. I basically, I then was told you have to source domestically then for, and get everything um, stamped by the USDA. I tried, I went through, they gave me a list of all the USDA approved facilities. I called every single one of them. None of them. As you can imagine, none of them did dry products. So none of them would work co-pack a product that was dry because they didn't have a facility for A, a powder, but they also didn't have a facility that wasn't set up for like bloody carcasses. So I was right away at a disadvantage. And I think it was primarily the disadvantage was that I didn't have tons of money to pay a lawyer to have them sway the FDA or the USDA to help them understand what this product was. Like I think they genuinely did not understand the product because no one had done it before. So we tried though for eight months to set up a supply chain in the US. It failed and it was horrible actually. For eight months, I was in talks with different, I found the ranch, I found the freeze dryer. And then by the time the ranch sent the organs to the freeze dryer, we were just doing a test run. They get them after eight months talking to me and they were like, uh, actually we can't do this. And I said, what are you talking about? They said, we just talked to our, our quality control person and they're freaking out about it because they're worried about contamination, it being a powder and all that. And technically meat's considered an allergen when you're in a facility that is primarily using vegetables or fruits. So they said, we can't do this. I said, but why did you engage? Why didn't you ask your quality control person from the first day? And that's something everyone needs to know is like these manufacturers, like they are not on top of it. I can't even tell you how many people I've dealt with just antiquated systems with just really bad communication. And we're working even with a spice provider right now. They do a good product, but man, are they a pain in the butt to deal with. Their communication is so bad and I constantly have to, and, and they have this huge turnaround all the time. Like they're constantly losing people and I can tell why because the business is so bad, but that's probably another piece that I would advise is if you're manufacturing a food product that you have backups, like either you have not one supplier, but multiple suppliers. And honestly, I try to have multiple suppliers, but because of the uniqueness of the product, it's been really challenging. So I'm now having to 
find another spice provider, but I'm on my third one. Like, it's so interesting. Like, it's the spice providers that are a real pain. And they, and it, and what's so interesting too, this is probably something people should know, is when you're creating a product, a food product, and you have a formula and you're sending it to a co-pack, like a blender or someone who's going to be packaging your recipe, they, I, I've worked with, as I said, three spice brokers and it's a formula. It should, they should all come back tasting the same. And yet they're all different. They're literally all different. And it's just so fascinating to me. And so that's something you need to know is the minute you let go of your recipe that you put, put together in your kitchen and you've mastered and you think it's so good, you need to know that it's not going to be the same once you go to a, a manufacturer. It's just, it's going to be different. And so then you have to figure that you have to finesse the difference and then you have to be okay that it no longer is exactly the way you did it. And, and anyone will learn this. It's like, you can start small and be doing it yourself, but I promise you the minute you go through somebody else, it's no longer yours. That is really sage advice. You need, you have your formula, the nutritional components, you have an idea of what it's going to taste like, and you need to have those parameters, but also know it will shift a little bit and be okay with that as long as yeah, yeah. pivoting is huge. Something that is important to know is that we launched during COVID. You know what I mean? So here we had a brand new food product. No one knew what it tasted like. No one had ever experienced it before. And yet we we couldn't set up food tables. We couldn't go to conferences. We couldn't set up at stores. Like there was no real clear path on how to expose people to this product because it's something you have to taste, right? To, to A, have an idea of your desire to buy it. You're not, most people are not going to just want to buy it because I say there's organ meats in it. They need to know that it, to, to, how does it taste? Because the number one association with organ meats is that they're disgusting. So that was an interesting dilemma. And how I solved that one or how I chose to solve it was I basically found some podcast groups and circles where I was able to get on these different groups and solicit to them and say, Hey, I'd love to get on your podcast. I'd love to talk organ meats. Or as a chef, I had a lot of things I could talk about around health and things like that. So I basically solicited to them. And then once someone said, Oh yeah, we'd love to have you as a guest, I would then send them some product, let them taste it. And then basically ask them while we were on the podcast, how did you like it? How did you use it? What did you think? So then I had the host talking to their audience about how they thought the product was. And, and I believed in the product enough to trust that the product would be, would win out like that, that I wasn't sending them crap and they would be like, actually, it's really gross. You know what I mean? Like I, I just trusted my own abilities in the product to know, Hey, I'm going to send this to them and they're going to like it. And case in point, I can ask you, cause I did the same with you. How did you like it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's such a brilliant way of doing it. And for me, I love that you're asking this. It is, it was such a natural like it tasted so natural. You know what I mean? Tastes exactly like you would do anything else with your seasoning. But there is this piece with organs that also just satiates you at a, I think it's a primal level that it satiates you a little bit more. So the taste is fully there. Like you don't know that you're eating organ meat with it at all, right? You're just enjoying the full flavor of it. But there is, I would say that there's like a higher level of uh, being satisfied from it even. And I personally just think that's from like, 
the primal piece that's actually being hit. But I think if you give this to anyone, like no one's, oh man, this, this is definitely organ meat, spices. You're like, no, it's just spices. It just happens to have this, which is exactly what you want to do with something like this. And how did you end up using it? Yeah. So we, I put it in a broth. Um, oh, okay. I like a bone broth or? Yeah, exactly. A bone broth. Added into that. I like to sip on broth in the afternoon. I'm someone who always needs a hot beverage in my hand. And I believe in, I have a lot of meat products, have a lot of bone products. I am someone who knows the benefit of organ meat. And I have to tell you, I struggled to actually eat it. And I'm someone who will eat just about anything from a health perspective. I've tried many things and I'm someone who I don't, I will eat the, the pieces that are good for me regardless of them being the best tasting thing on the market for me health is number one and but let me tell you cooking and eating liver was a challenge for me yeah. that was definitely a challenge but then i think myself like probably a number of other people stuck in this piece of well, i know it's really good for me i want to be able to incorporate it into my diet more but number one i'm the only one in the household who's going to eat it so you have this whole thing and it's really just you it is it can be a very difficult thing to cook and for me, the, the texture was like a hard piece. So what I love about this is it just made it, it overcame that barrier, like the barrier to getting what I actually want, which yeah. is like the organ meat benefit without the difficulty of cooking it and the taste texture piece that I think prevents a lot of people from getting there. And I think yeah. there's a lot of people too in the market who are just like, oh, it's a kidney. I can't eat that. I, like they look at it and they're like, oh. That didn't necessarily bother me as much, but I know for some people that does, that does impact that we eat with our eyes, right? You know, that as a chef, we eat with our eyes. So you don't even see any of that and you're just able to get the real benefits. So I guess bang on just sending it to people and being like, Hey, how did you like it? Yeah. 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 Thank you for sharing. I, yeah, I find that there's that psychology, right? So there's the idea that we of when you think of organ meats, you think of maybe your own mortality, you think of your own organs. There's, they're a different texture. They're, they're unfamiliar. So it's overwhelming, but that's one of my hopes is that when you take it and put it in a form that your brain doesn't fully associate with an organ, like it's just a dry, like you said, it looks like any seasoning. So even though there's organ meats in it, your eyes and your brain don't fully grasp that because you're not seeing a bloody a heart you're not seeing a liver you're not looking at a at the, of the form that you would normally see it in and then once you taste it i agree like you're there's two things going on is one it's it tastes good so your body's just saying mm, give me more but then there's that other element that you spoke to that ancestral element where your body's getting these nutrients that it severely wants and needs and so i find the same thing with bone broth as well i always I always visualize like I, when I talk to people about how I feel from organ meats and, and any really ancestral foods is I feel like my body is curling in and like hugging itself. You know what I mean? It's it just, it's like ultimate nesting or being in the arms of love kind of thing. And that's how it feels. Yeah, no, I'm with you. There is something that it's just so primal that it just, it really just makes you feel. And I think more people who are suffering from, whether you're suffering from any sort of illness or just generally want to boost in your health and energy, this is a really, it's like the simplest way to be able to do it. 
And with it being in a form that is accessible, and like you mentioned at the beginning, doesn't change people's habits, it makes it easy for people to ease into that and get those benefits that their bodies are so lacking and they're just not able to get from other pieces. And it's not synthetic. It's real. It is what our bodies actually need. It is how we evolved as human beings. It's so crucial for people and it's a really accessible form. I, I would love to share that, that, that this is an interesting situation that we discovered only recently, but I'd, I'd love to share it if we still have time. Yeah. So one of the things, and this involves, we, we haven't really tried to get into retail yet. We have had people solicit us. And so when someone comes to us, we absolutely will sell them wholesale. We have both affiliates and wholesale accounts that people can use. But one of the things as we have been contemplating getting into retail is that we're very aware of when you say seasoning, people are comparing it to Lowry's or Old Bay. They're the seasonings that are on the shelves. And if you put them all next to each other, the stuff on the shelf might be $4.99, $6.99, but it's on the low end. This is on the higher end because of those organ meats. And so we were, we're just very aware. And like sometimes when people would buy our product online, they would say, gosh, it's, I, I love it, but it's so expensive. And I'm like, Okay, this is interesting to me because they're not getting the value of the organ meats. And that when you freeze dry a powdered organ meat, it's expensive. But like the organ meat itself is not that expensive, but the process of freeze drying makes it very expensive. And so I realized we started comparing it to other industry and we were like, okay, we use, for example, Redmond Real Salt in our product. And, and that's a company in Redmond, Utah. And it's a very good and, and solid company. They do very well. And we were noticing like, okay, they have salt that they'll sell in 16 ounce bags. And it's, or maybe it's even 20 ounce bag. I don't know. They sell these larger bags of salt and it's $16 for this very large bag. And then they also sell this electrolyte powder. That's really what is electrolyte. It's basically salt and magnesium a lot of times. Like it's a very cheap product. It's not expensive. But yet they were selling a smaller container of that. So it's 12 ounces or something, but they were selling it for $45. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. So it's basically, they're doing a great job of repurposing their product and using it in different ways. So they're creating lots of SKUs. So that's really a big win for them. But I'm like, why is it that someone's willing to spend $45 for less when it's called an electrolyte and will, are willing and then spend more, or sorry, less when it's just salt, like what's going on with the psychology there? And that's when I realized that we needed to move away from calling it a seasoning, that we actually had to educate people that of the value just in the name. And, and we don't believe we found the exact name yet, but what we started transitioning to is we started calling it an ancestral superfood powder because superfood powders are everywhere right now, but we wanted people, we wanted to make sure people understood that this is an, this is different. This isn't some kind of fruit. This is an ancestral superfood powder. So that's why we adopted that. But we're, our hope is that by identifying it in that way, that then people start to not equate it with a $4.99 product, that they then adjust their minds and start thinking, oh, what is the cost of other superfoods? What's the cost of collagen? What's the cost of the Asahi berry powder or whatever? You know what I mean? And then now suddenly it's no longer, oh, okay. If I'm paying $18, $19 for this, that actually is cheaper than some of that collagen powder or, you know what I mean? Their brain adjusts to the, the difference, but that was a really important process. 
Yeah, absolutely. That value piece is so huge. And when you even put it like that, when you look at the price of it, you're like, dang, this is a great deal. It, it all of a sudden switches to like that price anchor is on when I'm comparing to other supplements and other powders. This is a very affordable piece. And it is like double tweaking versus just my seasoning, which might be $4.99, which, you know, probably half of the med there have a whole bunch of MSG and a whole bunch of other things that your body doesn't actually need. So that's a really great insight that you came to and are open to pivoting that. And I think that's a hard piece sometimes for people to be able to recognize these barriers that might be happening for people to buy the product. And then actually making them pivot because you invest so much time, money, and energy into it going one way. And then sometimes when you do these slight pivots and, oh, no. But when you're committed like you are to like making it work and not really get it, getting this in people's hands, you, you know, you, you do those pivots. And that kind of goes back to that earlier question of like why a dietary supplement versus food in two degrees. So when it, we, we source it from New Zealand, because I never fully finished that story, we, we source it from New Zealand. And when it comes into the country, it comes in as a dietary supplement ingredient. So that's when we realized we couldn't source it here in the U.S. successfully. We're going to keep trying. We're going to, but it just needs more money and time. But to just grow the company and put out more products, we really needed to make sure we were in alignment with how it was coming, how we were sourcing it, which was from New Zealand. And so we pivoted to it being a dietary supplement. And even though it didn't achieve that goal of wanting to show people, hey, organ meats are foods, right? It does though speak to this is actually special. Like it, that maybe this is something that potentially could go in the supplement aisle or could be, go on the seasoning shelf. I, we're, we're, that's the piece we're figuring out. Or maybe it goes on both. Maybe the supplement aisle has a refill bag and then... Um, the seasoning aisle has a shaker. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You have a lot of opportunities to play that up uh, with that right now. I feel like we could talk organ meats all day and we could talk <laughs> about how to get people to get more nutrient dense foods in their life. If people want to learn more about Fleck, want to go find you, if they're like, hey, I'm in, I want to go get some organ meats in my life as well in this easy way, where, where can people find you right now? So you can find us at our website, Eat Pluck. Dot com. You can find us on socials. We're also at Eat Pluck on most socials. If it's Twitter, now known as X, it's Eat underscore Pluck. But in anyone listening, if you are someone who, because we are available in Canada, and uh, if you go to our website, we show some locations. We have a couple Ontario locations, and a lot of them are farm stores sometimes. There is a couple of online stores as well in Canada. But if you're someone that has a retail store and wants to carry it, please reach out. Sales at epluck.com. And we would love to, we ship to Canada and we don't have any issues with that. It just is a little bit more expensive, but but it's something that if you're a Canadian listener or US, we, we, we can ship to both, obviously. Reach out though, if for some reason you live somewhere or have questions, because we are absolutely on a mission, particularly going into 2024 to, to really blow this product out there blow it up more and we're going to be working harder at getting into retail in 2024 so any support with that we would love you for that perfect awesome thank you james for sharing a bit about the story the backstory geeking out about uh, organ meats with me today i love it and thanks for putting this in the market i think this is a great product that people 
have wanted without knowing that they've wanted. And mm. this unique blend of being on top of the foodie industry from a chef perspective and then just this inherent like knowledge and passion for health have allowed you to bring this together and put this down to the market. I think you're helping create a new category even more. You may not be a trendsetter with the iPhones lining up, but I think <laughs> you are with the food industry. Showing people that seasonings can be functional too. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. James, thank you so much for sharing your story. Everyone go check out some Pluck. Definitely a fantastic product and you won't be disappointed regardless of how you have it. Thank you. That's it for this week, food friend. Thanks for tuning in. If the show helped you in any way, please go ahead and leave a rating or review of the show below. I also want to thank our sponsor one more time, the Food Brands That Sell program, the program to transform how you navigate the CPG industry and ultimately sets you up for success within it. Go ahead and get yourself on the waitlist using the link below, or you can put yourself on the waitlist at foodbrandsthatsellwaitlist.com. Catch you next time, food friend.